Thank you for listening to Roots and Wings, a podcast produced by the Tennessee Commission on Children and Youth. I'm Jonquil Newland, the director of Kids Central TN. We're recording this episode at the beginning of May when the majority of counties across Tennessee are beginning to ease their COVID-19 restrictions, with the exception of some of the largest and most populated counties, of course, Davidson County being one of them, they will remain closed. Now, you and your kids are likely very eager to get back to normal. Unfortunately, we'll be returning to a new normal, not necessarily the life routines we had been used to. Now, local pediatrician Dr. Carolina Clark with the Tennessee Department of Health joins me once again. Dr. Clark, thank you for agreeing to be a guest on Roots and Weans for a second time. Thanks for having me. It seems like a lifetime ago when I spoke. <laughs> so much weeks. has happened. Yeah. <laughs> well, aside from keeping up with the daily briefings, obviously on local news outlets, uh, I believe this is happening across the state. I know here in Davidson County, we have a lot of news briefs, but can you help Dr. Clark give us a better idea of just how Tennessee is faring with this whole pandemic right now? Sure. I would say, you know, since we last spoke, um, you know, a lot has happened. You know, a safer at home order has been in place, you know, across the state um, until uh, the governor's recent executive order. And um, I would say that, you know, testing has dramatically increased across the state. Uh, Residents have um, the opportunity or um, the ability to get tested throughout the state, either by visiting their healthcare provider, um, through um, one of these drive-through testing um, sites that have been opening up, especially on the weekends, um, and um, and through the county health departments. So testing has dramatically increased. Um, the healthcare um, capacity has increased as well. There's been careful monitoring of hospital bed usage, so the capacity is there to care for patients with COVID-19 but also patients without COVID-19, and that's constantly being monitored um, and um, and assessed if they're um, assessed if that needs to be increased further. There's also been an increase in personal protective equipment or PPE that's available. Um, so this is all good news, and I think that um, Tennesseans have really stepped up and, and done their part um, and. Um, and we can see that in that we are seeing uh, um, some good data as far as um, good progress in reducing the spread of COVID-19. But I would say that it's important for Tennesseans to remain committed uh, to some of these, these practices that have been in place, such as you know staying at home if you're sick, or um, especially if you've been exposed to COVID-19, um, practicing good hygiene um, all the time, um, wearing a cloth mask you know, when you're out in public, and, um, and continuing social distancing practices. I think those are all really important. Um, you bring up so much good news, and, and especially when in regards to the hospital beds and the testing. Um, I think those are also, while they're they're doing well really right now, I think it gives a lot of people a false sense of security, for lack of better words, because people are like, well, you know, we op- I mean, counties are opening up and people are going back out. Um, and they're also probably thinking, well, we never reached capacity at our hospital beds and, and now we're getting tested. So if I feel sick, I can go get tested. Why is it important for people not to lose sight of the end goal? <laughs> It's especially important because um, the reason why we're seeing some of these um, promising um, these prom- this promising uh, numbers and uh, is that because Tennesseans really did their part and stepped up and really took the social distancing seriously and because all these measures were put into place um, and um, if we if we let our guard down, you know, we could easily start heading down the wrong, the wrong direction. And that could easily lead to another complete shutdown. And then we'll be in this process 
it'll be just a recycling process. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, as, as we mentioned, obviously, Dr. Clark, many counties have announced a phase-in process to reopen their economies. And when we think about families and kids and activities and summer fun, should families and parents really kind of, and guardians, for lack of better words, think about a phase-in process when it comes to their kids, teens, and, and social activities? I know... I think everyone right now, we're almost two months into this, and I think we're a lot of people, including myself, are hitting the wall. So I can't imagine families with teens or young kids, and they're just like, I got to get out. At some point, the parents are like, just get out of my hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but is that okay? What would you say? I, I totally understand it, especially as a, as a parent uh, myself. Um, but, you know, there will be, uh, this will need to be a phased-in process as far as with kids and social activities as well. Um, you know, currently there's an executive order um, prohibiting summer camps until uh, May 29th, and I mean, that may be updated at, at some point. Um, and there will be guidance as far as when it is safe to, for, for, um, for camps, uh, organized sports, other organized activities to resume, um, of course, when, when it's safe for schools to reopen, um, there will be guidance on, on when that is safe. I would say um, I would continue to avoid play dates as, um, as difficult as, as it is. Just children just have a really hard time maintaining that, um, that distance. They want to play just right next to each other. However, I would say, you know, um, just continue to get outside as much as possible if you're able to, um, you know, outside riding bikes, scooters, family walks, as long as you're able to maintain distance from others, um, it, that it, this is a, it's a great opportunity to, to get outside. Um, I know personally, there have been five kids on my street who have learned to ride their bike oh. since all this, <laughs> since the pandemic happened. So, That's you know, just, um, just kind of taking advantage of that outdoor time, which is important. I, I don't want to drag, digress too much, Dr. Clark, but it, it reminds me, I've found a little, my, my park spot with a few green ways. It's not even a day Davidson County, but I, I've been going to just get out and be outside. And I've noticed over the last several weeks, it went from really no one's there to all of a sudden there's just teenagers from everywhere. And I'm guessing they come, they're coming from the subdivisions around this park and they're just biking on in. And I can tell I'm like, the parents have had enough. Yes, definitely. <laughs> the parents have had enough, but keep social distancing folks. It, it, it's going to save us all, hopefully. And I, I would just say for parents, just as, um, as challenging as just just to remain as patient as you can and, and to be a good role model for your, for your kids because they will follow follow the parents lead or caregivers lead for sure. Very good point. Both teens and young kids too. They, they copy for sure. All right. So the big face mask debate, Dr. Clark, we know that wearing face masks prevents folks who are sick from spreading their germs with so many asymptomatic folks. However, that's why it's been advised that everyone wear a mask while in public. But can you give us an idea possibly of which fabrics work best if people are making at-home masks? Because I can tell you my grandma was like, I have a silk scarf. Use it for a face mask. I'm like, that's not going to help anybody, Grandma, but it's beautiful. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's sweet of you, Grandma. Um, So we are recommending, um, the CDC um, and other um, health experts are recommending um, face masks face mask for anyone um, older than two. Um, now, if there is um, a child with uh, breathing problems or a child with special health care needs, that may prohibit them from being able to pull the face mask off them if they're having trouble breathing, um, then um, 
then face masks would not be recommended for those um, certain children. But um, but otherwise, like you mentioned, face masks can be um, can be created, can be made by people at home. The CDC or Centers for Disease Control and Prevention does have. Um, instructions on how people can make their own um, face masks at home. They even have instructions on how to, you can do it using a, a t-shirt, but but there are um, examples on how to make a couple different versions. It's, it's really just using cloth material. Um, so it's, it, you know, can be fashioned from a lot of material that people might already have at home. Um, the key is is the right size, you know, needs to fit fit the child and needs to be able to cover their nose and their mouth. Um, and it needs to be able to stay put, you know, as much as possible. Um, as far as putting it on, you know, I recommend washing hands before, before putting the mask on. Then you put the mask on, it should fit securely, and then try not to touch the mask again until it's time to take it off. Um, and then when you do um, take it off, you know, wash hands again, and then the, the mask will need to be um, to be washed after its use. Um, it's just it's important, you know, especially going to places like grocery stores where you is where it's less likely to be able to keep that six feet or more distance. Um, and um, it's important um, to have to reduce the spread of, of COVID nineteen. I can definitely tell you just from my personal experience, Dr. Clark, um, and that's why I think about the healthcare workers who are wearing these for 13 or 14 hour shifts and the same ones probably throughout the whole week mm-hmm. um, because they're not comfortable mm-hmm. and they can be difficult to breathe in, yes. especially if you wear glasses, then you can't see because they get fogged up. So it's, it's, um, it's definitely one of those things that folks, we got to keep it up. We may not like it. I saw a video of one woman who cut a hole out of her mask mm-hmm. because it was hard for her to breathe, but you might as well just take the mask off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> those are all considerations. Um, uh, those things all need to be be considered, you know, um, when using the mask. And uh, for for certain kids, if if parents are finding that their their children are actually touching their faces a lot more, you know, not with the mask, um, then there might be certain instances where where it, you know might as well not have a mask on if they're actually going to be touching their face um, even more. Um, but um, but it, but if if your child is able to do it, um, I think I think it's important. Um, and uh, I another some other tips would be if your child is hesitant at first, you know, to use a mask or or, or scared to use a mask, you can um, try putting the mask on their favorite doll or favorite stuffed animal. You can make the mask in using their favorite color, decorated a certain way, just anything to kind of make them more comfortable um, with the idea. Great advice, Dr. Clark. Thank you. I know as we move past this, I don't want to say even past it, as we continue through life, (laughs) um, it may be, and this kind of leads to my next question, we may begin to wear masks a lot lot more even when there's technically not a global pandemic. I know several Asian countries already do it. And speaking of that, just the health habits that people have, how do you see that changing as we go through the, this COVID-19 pandemic and then onward afterwards. Definitely. No, and until a vaccine is in place or until uh, effective treatment is in place, um, you know, this will be um, a new norm um, for the most part. People wearing masks around, you know, temperature checks at work, um, these things, um, you know, will will be in place, you know, until, until there is effective treatment or, or a vaccine. Um, other health habits, um, such as 
washing hands more often, um, good hygiene practices like you know sneezing into your sleeve, uh, cleaning more often. I, I, I would imagine those would stick with people, you know, um, who've gone through this, who've been through this pandemic, um, and we'll we'll see what else what else sticks. You know, I, I wonder about um, shaking hands. You know, if that will even happen you know once this is over i've always been a fist pumper and after yeah like i will yep <laughs> if you if we get close enough you mm-hmm. will get a fist pump mm-hmm. <laughs> i i also wonder too the last time we spoke dr clark i know we we kind of mentioned briefly that uh children who had come down with the covid 19 virus were either asymptomatic or or very low symptoms um since that time, though, and because that's been several weeks ago, have you learned, is it is COVID-19 affecting young adults or children differently than what we thought several weeks ago? So we are continuously learning so much about this virus, um, as you can imagine. And, um, you know, to date, um, children continue to be at less risk uh, than adults and, in general, have mild symptoms um, from COVID-19. I mean, the majority of cases are in adults. We, we do find that um, that the pandemic is affecting the health and well-being of children and families in, in other ways, I mean, just from the, the, the um, family stress of Potentially being furloughed, um, man- you know, managing um, work and childcare and homeschooling, um, the the lack of a support system from um, from family and friends. Uh, we know that that's all uh, affecting families' well-being. Um, and the other, the another thing we're noting is that um, is that parents or caregivers are not seeking care from their pediatrician or pediatric health care provider as they normally would. Um, And so I do want to emphasize to families that pediatric practices um, or pediatric health care providers are ready, you know, and there and want to help children and families. Um, They have practices in place uh, to um, to ensure safety during this pandemic. And um, they and there have been multiple um, changes to how practices are run, including changing when sick visits happen, you know, versus well child visits, so they don't coincide, um, a lot of telehealth appointments. Um, so I just strongly encourage families to reach out to their child's um, physician or healthcare provider for any questions on their health or development. Um, and because they're they're there to help and they're prepared. Um, the other thing is that well child visits, including vaccines, need to continue, especially for those under two. Um, but um, but those well child visits are incredibly important to prevent against other potential problems. Thank you for pointing that out, Dr. Clark. And you mentioned as you were talking about just families and how every member of the family can be impacted by this. I, I also want to, because I know it's been brought up or I've heard it brought up several times. I know a lot of grandparents who have distanced themselves from their grandchildren, especially knowing that you know small children can sometimes be asymptomatic and just spreaders or carriers of the virus. But it's been now almost two months. They haven't seen their grandchildren. They have no plans to see their grandchildren. Now it's big to affect them mentally and emotionally kind of what's your advice for those families who could who kind of are struggling through that I mean obviously you can do so many zoom and video calls <laughs> at some point um, a hug from a grandparent is is all a child wants or needs oh, I yeah totally I totally know what you mean um, 
you know, I think that's not, what's one way, you know, that social media can be used for good is, is trying to maintain that connection. And I would, I would schedule, you know, a time every few days to, to, um, to, you know, see the grandparents, um, you know, if, if people, if families tend to live in the same town, um, there's always the possibility of, of, um, of seeing one another, but as long as they're keeping your distance, I have, I have neighbors who, um, have their grandparents drop by and the, um, the kids are on the, the steps and the grandparent is still in the car, in the car. So I've seen those kind of visits happening. Of course, that can only happen if everyone is in the, if everyone's nearby. And you think the kind of, otherwise the best advice at this point is just to continue, continue those FaceTimes and, and Zooms and just really try to, to continue that connection. Yeah. What advice do you have, Dr. Clark, for just families who are beginning to become familiar with this new normal for us? Because it's never going to be the same really again. At least if it does get back to that point, it will be years down the line. Um, For folks who are kind of realizing this is going to be our new normal, what advice as a pediatrician, as a health expert, do you have for them? You know, continuing as much as possible to keep similar routines and uh, and schedules, just a, a sense of normalcy, um, um, a sense of, uh, of what, you know, life was like as far as the routine. Um, you know, we talked about using social media for good and, and screen time for good, but still maintaining those those limits, you know, whenever possible. Um, we've talked about going outside, just how that can be so good for mental and physical health. And um, I would continue to communicate often with children about what's going on, what's changing, and just make sure that they know that they can um, always come come to you for questions. Um, it's so important for parents and caregivers just to take time to care for themselves. Um, that's point. just huge um, to make sure that they're getting a reprieve, you know, something that um, that brings them joy. You know, they're, they're finding, making the time for that. Um, staying in touch with friends and loved ones as much as possible. I would encourage people to really seek out local and state resources. For instance, some um, state resources that come to mind are um, the Department of Human Services offers emergency cash assistance that many families um, may be able to apply for. Um, for other families whose income may change, they may um, now qualify for 10 care. So that's something else to keep in mind. And um, you know, if people are, if it's possible for people, you know, I would continue supporting others in their community you know, as much as possible. Um, and, and I would just emphasize just reaching out to their healthcare providers. Thank you, Dr. Clark, for all the resources that you just mentioned. They're available on the state websites, the Human Services Department, uh, Tennessee Human Services, as well as Department of Health and Department of Education. Each state site at this point has a COVID-19 red bar resource. That's really good. And I can say that um, uh, Kids Central TN just shared the Department of Human Services COVID-19 page because it does have literally a list of everything from childcare to SNAP to unemployment, anything families need uh, who have been greatly impacted by this COVID-19 pandemic, please head to their website. Uh, You will find the resources there that you need. Dr. Clark, thank you again so much for being a guest on Roots and Wings. Is there anything that we did not talk about that you wanted to mention? I don't think so. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you to our listeners. And you'll be hearing from us again next month. I'm Junkle Newland for Roots and Wings.